Hey, good morning, Real Life family. It is good to be able to join you uh, from my living room to your living room this morning. And so the joy of technology, we get to uh, hang out in each other's living rooms this morning. So um, I wanted to let you know right up front that we've got some exciting news as a church that I'm going to share towards the end of this message this morning. So be sure to stay tuned. It's uh, really neat stuff that I'm sharing about uh, three potential elders that uh, will be a part of leading and governing our church here in Pullman. And so I want to introduce you to them and tell you more about that process at the end of the message this morning. Um, also, uh, by way of Easter announcement stuff, everybody knows next Sunday is Easter Sunday. And of course, with everything going on with COVID, this Easter is just going to look different for all of us. You know, we're not going to have the huge community Easter egg hunts. We're not going to have the giant family gatherings with tons of people and tons of food. Um, we can probably still have tons of food. We just might not be able to have as many people around the table. So uh, things are just going to look different, and I think we're all sort of adjusting to that. And uh, we're doing the same to adjust how we do Easter as a church. For us as Christians, Easter is a huge weekend. It's a great weekend of celebration and uh, just reflecting and celebrating on the fact that we can be right with God through what um, Jesus accomplished on the cross and through the resurrection. And so we're going to do that. We're going to celebrate. We're going to get creative. And here's the thing. We need your help um, in two particular ways. We need your help to uh, pull off some uh, kind of cool stuff for Easter. So we're going to do uh, a couple of things. One, we're going to try and get creative and have some fun uh, blessing some kids and some families and just helping bring some smiles to their face and all that stuff. And yes, we know Easter is not about Easter eggs and it's not about chocolate bunnies and candy and all that stuff. We totally understand that. But the truth is we also know that um, blessing a kid, being generous and, and uh, putting a smile on their face, blessing a family, like those are things that put a smile on God's face. And I think this is a kind of a time where uh, we could all use a few more smiles. So we're going to do something fun uh, to accomplish that. I'll tell you more about it in a second. And then the other thing we're going to do is we're going to try and get your help inviting your friends and family and folks from your neighborhood and your workplaces to join us for Easter service online next Sunday. I'm going to be sharing a message about the good life in Jesus. And um, a lot of people think that following Christ is a difficult thing, that it's a, a really hard thing to do, and that the longer you're a Christian, the harder it's going to be, like, like you're almost signing up for a life of misery, and that is so not an accurate picture of following Jesus. And so we're going to talk about the light burden and easy yoke that it is to follow Jesus, and exactly what did he mean when he talked about those things. So if you're interested, and you know folks that might be interested in hearing about what it would be like to have the good life, the real good life with Christ, um, please tune in with us next weekend. All right, probably right now, you are all sitting in your homes, and you're thinking, man, Thad, those are two great ideas. And I'm wondering how I could help you with those ideas. Well, I'm glad you asked. Uh, here's what we need you to do. We are actually, right now, uh, have a, a small team of people putting together bags of Easter eggs, pre-stuffed. Uh, this team is super diligent. They're being super safe and uh, clean and sanitary to make sure that everything is going out. Um, is, um, they're just being really wise in how we're putting everything together with a small team. And so they're pre-stuffing them with candy. 
and some of the eggs are going to have tickets in them that will let the kid know that if they get that ticket, they want a prize. And so here's what we're going to do. The team is putting together like small bags of eggs for a small family, a larger bag of eggs for a large family. And then later this week, we are going to have some drive-by pickup times available at our office in Pullman. And so we'll We'll post all that stuff on our social media and send it out as uh, text reminders and email and all that stuff. And here's where we need your help. We need you to be thinking about families that you're going to bless, families that you're going to go and actually set up an Easter egg hunt for them personally in their front yard. And so you may have kids that are friends of your kids that uh, you could swing by pick up some Easter egg bags, you know, if you're going to do three, four, five families, and then you just go out, observe the proper social distancing rules and all that stuff, and you actually set up an Easter egg hunt, knock on their door, and then leave. And uh, we'll just bless those families, and then a, a part of that will be invitations to join us online for service and have some fun, uh, as well as some of those opportunities to maybe win a prize. And so those are some fun things we're going to do to try and help you participate with us in creatively taking some uh, Easter egg fun out to our community. And so be sure to watch for the updates about uh, when and where to pick up the bags of eggs. That's going to be Thursday and Friday later this week. And uh, we'll have all that stuff ready to go. You just drive by, no contact, you pick it all up. And, uh, and then you just have fun on Saturday setting up some Easter egg hunts for your friends. So that's kind of what we've got going on for Easter. We're excited for that. It's going to be a good time. Um, let's jump in to the message this morning, shall we? We've been uh, going through this series in Acts, and last week we sort of finished up with Paul and Barnabas at the end of this amazing missionary journey with all sorts of things that they experienced, uh, exciting and amazing things, but also some really difficult things. And it was a, it was a pretty eventful trip. And if you missed the message last week, I would encourage you to jump on our website at rlcpullman.com and click on the sermons link and you can watch that one or any other of our sermons from our sermon archives. So um, this week we kind of pick up the story in Acts 15 and in Acts 15 we see that Paul and Barnabas are back in Antioch of Syria. And remember Antioch of Syria was the place where they uh, had spent a lot of time together. They'd spent over a year there serving and ministering and uh, preaching the good news and teaching about Jesus and making disciples and things were on fire and going good. And then those believers in, in Antioch of Syria heard from God and they were the ones that actually sent Paul and Barnabas out on that first missionary journey. And so now they're back and you could imagine what was going on there. You could imagine the excitement uh, that Paul and Barnabas are back and what happened and they would want to know about what stories happened, you know, what, what happened on this trip and, and where did they go and who did they meet and what's the world like out there, like all of these neat things. And so that's sort of exactly what's going on as we jump into this passage. So this morning, before we get into the text, I want to give you a quick homework assignment to do while you're actually watching this message this morning live. I want you to be thinking about who you identify with in this passage. There's going to be a number of different people that are in play in the story, the different types of people. And I want you to be thinking about um, who do you identify with? Who do you think like? Who do you act like? And, and just really zero in on which person or kind of group of people do you most feel like you kind of fit with or connect with? 
So keep that in mind as we go through the text this morning, all right? So that's the deal. They are back in Syria of Antioch, and you're going to see this uh, map. And here, Antioch of Syria is north of Jerusalem, um, and they're back in this town where they had spent this time teaching and making disciples. And, and so here they are sharing, and all this good news is going on, and there's all this excitement and fervor and the stories that they're telling. And that's really what's going on, the scene that's set as we pick up in Acts 15. So in Acts 15, verse 1, it starts like this. It says, uh, certain people came down from Judea to Antioch and were Uh, teaching the believers that unless you're circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. Well, this brought Paul and Barnabas into a sharp dispute and debate with them. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed, along with some other believers, to go up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and the elders about this question. And the church sent them on their way, and as they traveled through Phoenicia and Samaria, they told them how the Gentiles had been converted. And this news made all the believers very glad. And when they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and elders to whom they reported everything God had done through them. Then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, the Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. And so they're now back in Jerusalem. The Pharisees are are stirring up things yet again, like trying to add these extra burdens on the Gentiles that they need to become Jewish, they need to be circumcised and keep the law. And Peter goes on to uh, just express his concerns over that, and not only express his concerns, but he goes back to remind them how God had made it clear to him that the Gentiles were invited to hear the good news of the gospel, that they were invited to hear um, and believe and be saved, and that God affirmed that by making it clear that the Gentiles received the Holy Spirit the same way the Jews had received the Holy Spirit. And so after a lot of discussion, Peter and the apostles, um, they make it clear that when it comes right down to it, Jews and Gentiles alike, everyone depends on God's grace to save them through the forgiveness of their sins, by belief and faith in Jesus. And and so they just really boil it down and say, I mean, when it comes right down to it, don't we all have to have the same faith in the same God and trust by His grace that any of us could be saved, no matter whether we are Jew or Gentile. And so they sort of settle things up, and in the end, they make it really clear that the Gentiles do not need to be circumcised, and they don't need to practice the Jewish laws or tradition. And in verse 19, Peter sort of sums it up like this. He says, it's my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Instead, we should write to them, telling them to abstain from food polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, and from meat of strangled animals and from blood. For the law of Moses has been preached in every city from the earliest times and is read in the synagogues on every Sabbath. And then the apostles and elders with the whole church decided to choose some of their own men and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. And they chose Judas, who was called Barsabbas, and Silas, men who were leaders among the believers. And that's exactly what they did. They wrote a letter, which is recorded in the rest of Acts chapter 15, and they sent it back with these men. And I think it's interesting that they sent it back with Paul and Barnabas, but they also chose some other men that represented the apostles. So it helped bring... Uh, credence and credibility to the letter so that no one could question that it was just Paul and Barnabas like bringing this back on their own accord. 
other men came with them to testify to what had happened. And so um, they go back to Antioch of Syria. They share this letter and this great news that once and for all, the apostles have all agreed and decided that you don't have to become Jewish if uh, you want to put your faith and trust in Jesus, that anyone from any place who puts their faith in Jesus could be saved and receive the free gift of the Holy Spirit. And so they stay there a little bit longer in Antioch teaching and uh, preaching, and eventually they decide to go back to the places that they'd visited on their first missionary journey and, and to share this letter from the apostles and try and encourage all of those early believers and early churches that they had just started on that last trip around. And so that's kind of the stopping point right there in this text before we're going to kind of take a break and then uh, in a couple of weeks jump back into Acts. But one of the things I want us to kind of just ponder on as we um, wrap up this part of the message is just how easy it seems to be for people to add on things to new believers, for people to kind of add extra rules, add extra sort of man-made guidelines. Where When people are new in the faith or thinking about putting their faith in, in Jesus and they're contemplating whether or not God is real, it feels like it's so easy for some of us to sort of add on extra things like, well, they need to do this or they need to say these types of things or behave this certain way or they need to act like this or they need to not do some of the things that they were doing. And and while all of that may have, you know, it may come from good intentions because we care about them and we want to see fruit and change and all that, the, the truth is that's not the gospel that Paul and Barnabas preached. The gospel that Paul and Barnabas preached and then eventually went to Jerusalem and fought for that that God made clear to Peter is that, that God is a God for everyone and through faith in Christ alone, you can receive forgiveness of your sins and you can receive the free gift of the Holy Spirit. And then it's Christ in us that does the transformation, the, the work of changing us from the inside out as we learn to make him Lord and depend on him. And so I would just encourage us that as we have people that we're praying for and care about that are coming to faith in Christ, and as we know new believers or people that are young in their faith, let's be cautious to not look at them and, and like the Pharisees of the day, kind of stand up and say, hey, but they need to do all these other things too. And so let's just be cautious of just encouraging people to really learn to trust and follow Jesus personally. And, and let's spend our time helping them learn to do that day by day. All right? Well, we're going to kind of switch gears here and talk a little bit about some exciting things happening in our church. And one of the things that's going on uh, is we are in the process, as many of you know, of becoming an independent, local, uh, elder-governed church here in Pullman. And so as a part of that process, we have been training up and preparing some men that uh, we feel are called to be elders. And so it's been a long process over the last eight or nine months. We've been going through training and preparing them on what it looks like to be an elder and how to lead and govern in the specific areas of governance. And we've we've worked through all of those things with the help of other elders uh, from Post Falls and from our existing church here, Real Life on the Palouse. And so it's been a really great process and we've grown and um, really come to appreciate these men that we're going to introduce you to uh, here in this service. And so we have three men that uh, myself, uh, Roger Miller and John Gibbons are our current elders in the Pullman Church, and, and we feel that the men that I'm going to introduce you to 
are um, biblically qualified to be elders. We feel like they are called by God to this role, and we feel like they have um, outstanding uh, wives supporting them and encouraging them in the role that they feel called to. And the wives uh, all have agreed that they do really feel like um, with their husband that this is a role that their husband is called to. And so um, the men that we're talking about are uh, Ron Little and uh, his wife, Judy, and Michael Kane, uh, and he is married to Brenda Kane, and then also um, Gary Hopkins and his wife, Judy. And so you'll be seeing their pictures coming up on screen behind me and all that good stuff. And they're just amazing, awesome people. And uh, I want to make sure that you know what they look like. So as you see them, you can congratulate them. And uh, right now we're we're in a weird time where we can't go walk into the lobby afterwards and say hi to these guys. But uh, most of you, I think, know these men or have met them or their wives. They've been an integral part of our church for a long time. And so um, here's what's next. These men have gone through extensive training, and we're going to ask that all of you take the next couple of weeks to pray for these men and to pray for um, God to make it clear um, that these are our guys, uh, and if they're not for any reason, to make that clear as well. And so along those lines, what we do is this, is now that you know who they are and that we feel like they are the right men that are called and, and uh, should be appointed as elders of our church, we're asking you to do this. Um, we're asking you to let us know if there is any reason you can think of that is a biblical reason that any one of these men is not qualified to be an elder. We would like you to share that with us. You can shoot an email in. You can give a phone call. We're just going to tell you right up front that um, if it's anonymous, we won't even look at it. We won't even read it. There's no cowardly comments. If you know of a biblical reason why one of these men isn't qualified, then please tell us. We feel like we have spent uh, a huge amount of time with them and uh, uh, understand who they are and, and what they're about. But if, if for some reason there is something, please let us know um, and we'll walk that out uh, if it happens. And then what happens next is after a couple of weeks, um, as we pray and, and seek the Lord on this, then when we get together in a couple of weeks, what we'll do is we will be um, appointing these three men as elders of our church here in Pullman. And so normally what we would do is we would have them on stage and all of our current elders would gather around them. We would lay hands on them and we would pray for them and we would appoint them as elders to govern and help oversee and shepherd our church here in Pullman. Under the circumstances with the COVID concerns, we're just going to get creative on how we lay hands on them and pray for them. Um, and so we'll uh, work on putting some videos together of doing that uh, in appropriate ways and share those videos in a couple of weeks since we can't all be in the same room on stage. But uh, I think just like everybody has done throughout history when we're in weird situations and uncertain times, much like Paul and Barnabas adapted and modified their approach, depending on the circumstances and the places they were at, we're going to just uh, roll with it and uh, make, it, make it work under the conditions that we have here. And so that's something that you can look forward to in the next couple of weeks, um, is getting to be a part of a church that is appointing uh, qualified and called elders to help govern us here in Pullman. And so uh, with that in mind, we are going to wrap up this morning and uh, have some communion together. So if you don't have your elements for communion yet, I would encourage you to uh, run and grab them real quick. 
and I'm going to do the same thing, and then we're going to take communion together. So every week at Real Life, we take communion together and we remind people that we have what we call an open table when it comes to communion. That means that you don't have to be a member here uh, of our church. You don't have to sign some special agreement to take communion with us. Uh, what it means is that um, for us as the Real Life family, as believers, we believe that anybody who wants to celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus is welcome to take communion with us. And so if that's you, wherever you are and wherever you're watching, we would encourage you to reflect and remember with us as we take communion this morning. And so um, every week we finish our service with communion. We remember what Jesus did for us and what he accomplished on the cross. We remember that we can have a right relationship with God because of the sacrifice Jesus made for us. And we remember that we can have forgiveness for our sins because of his shed blood. And we remember that we can be square with God and uh, once and for all because he conquered death. And so this morning, that's exactly what we're gonna do is we're gonna take these elements and wherever you're at, just with a cracker and a juice, it's not super important what kind of cracker or juice or if it's a cookie or a piece of bread, it, it, that's not the important part. What's important is that these things represent or symbolize uh, really special important things for us as Christians. They symbolize for us that uh, the body of Christ that was broken for us. And we remember that on the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread with his, his guys and he broke the bread and he gave thanks for it. And then he told them to, uh, as often as they get together, just like us, as often as we gather together, let's take this and remember his body broken for us. And in the same way, after dinner, he took the cup and he told them that this cup represented a new covenant. And it was a covenant that was sealed with his blood shed for the forgiveness of our sins. And so when we take this and we drink, let's remember and reflect on the, the forgiveness that we receive because of Christ's shed blood. So let's drink. If you would, bow your heads with me and close your eyes and let's just kind of have a moment of uh, prayer as we wrap up this morning. God, we love you. You are such a good God and we are so grateful for your son. God, during these times, especially as we approach Easter, may you reveal your son to each of us um, deeper and uh, in just more profound ways, Lord, that, that we would just come to follow you more and depend on you more and learn more about you and, and just grow more in uh, likeness to you than ever before. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, as we get ready to head out, uh, head out, as we get ready to head off of the couch into the living room, uh, on to the next thing, uh, let's uh, not forget to be thinking about who we're gonna invite to Easter service this next weekend to join us online, set up watch parties, um, and let's uh, not forget to swing by the office later this week and pick up your Easter egg kits and uh, have some fun. Take lots of pictures, post it all over social media, share it. Let's have a blast getting creative, blessing some people and blessing some families with uh, some fun creative Easter egg hunts out to our community. So love you guys. Have an awesome Sunday afternoon and we will see you back next week for Easter Sunday. Mm -hmm.